Assalamu alaikum everyone. Welcome back to Isn't Mo Quarantine Though, the second season of Isn't Mo Muslim Though. I'm your host, Ziad Adwood. Today we have a really amazing guest on. Her name is Arshia, and she is the CEO and founder of Sakoon Active, an activewear brand designed by and for Muslim women. So actually, this brand has been really awesome, and I know a lot about it mainly because my wife has been following you for a while. <laughs> I know there's this whole like story that we can go into in the conversation, but <laughs> you came for a convention, and she finally was able to grab a hijab of yours. But tell the audience a little bit more about Sakoon, why my wife was going crazy about your guys' <laughs> stuff, and how the pandemic has really hit y'all. Yeah, hi. Um, well, I'm I'm so glad that uh, I'm here with you guys today, and um yeah, uh, Sukoon, as you said, it's an activewear, an activewear brand designed for Muslim women. And um, I'm really proud of that because I'm a Muslim woman and I've been wearing hijab for almost 10 years. And I've always been a really active person. And, and this was a really big pain point in my life. Um, and so I, you know, I really designed it initially around my own needs and then kind of expanded that group to friends, family, um, and now Alhamdulillah like very lucky to be shipping worldwide. We have a wholesale partner um, in Kuwait, which is pretty cool. And we're always looking for more international partners as well as domestic partners. So um, if anyone has any leads on that, I'd love to chat with you. Um, but yeah, it was really awesome to meet Sefa. And she definitely uh, was, was went a little uh, crazy in the best way over our new collection. Um, we met last spring and we had just done this complete relaunch of the brand as well as um, kind of reworking our initial set of designs to make them uh, more... I guess, more in line with what a broader set of customers was looking for. So, um, yeah, I was really lucky to meet you guys when when I did. Um, and, yeah, COVID has been super, super strange, I think, obviously for everybody. But for, for small businesses, I think um, it really throws the year for a loop in a different way. Um, for a company like ours um, – we are not always in production. We, because we're a small company, we have seasons where we're in production. Um, and then we have other seasons where we're selling and building content and all that kind of stuff. So, um, we were basically going back into production and, um, all this stuff started. Our manufacturers are in Portugal and, um, all of our suppliers were, have been shut down for a little over a month now. So our production, yeah. So our production was completely paused, which, um, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to, you know, there's both sides of it. I mean, huge companies are, um, struggling on the opposite side where they have a ton of stuff, but people aren't necessarily buying in the same way. Um, and for a business like ours, I'm, I've really spent a lot of time over the last couple of weeks thinking about like what happens if we run out of inventory to sell. Um, we're sold out of um, some of our, you know, best sellers like in black, for example, that's something that people always want. Um, but it's been really interesting at the same time because I think um, people are feeling so cooped up, but there's this uh, kind of um, government, like uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess like, government suggested exercise time where people are encouraged to go out for walks and, um, you know, get some fresh air. And so I think it's also been interesting to see how people are engaging with a brand like ours a little bit differently. Like maybe people who aren't even used to working out on a regular basis, they're craving to get 
out of their homes and just go for a short walk around the block or in their neighborhood, um, and they're looking for comfortable and accessible uh, active wear for, for those kinds of activities in addition to a normal workout routine. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really been an exercise in, in creativity and, and thinking how we as a business can survive, um, you know, during and after the pandemic and how we can also continue to serve our community and serve our customers during, during this time. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, for, for most people, they just think oh, an online business, it's going to be fine. Like you'll still be able to sell online, right? There's no retail stores that you had to close or anything, sure. but you kind of have like a double, you know, attack. You have more of like the supplier and like the manufacturers, they're closed down. So you're not getting new inventory as well as because of where the economy is going, because of all the struggles that people are having, they might not have like the money to actually spend on it anymore. Like it's more about like, what is the essentials that we can spend on might not have it to spend on like other stuff right now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think um, I, I've been thinking a lot about that, right? Like with all these changes in the economy, like what will people's relationship with the outside world be after our, um, when we are allowed to go outside, right? And and specifically thinking about the industries that impact me, which is, um, of course, like clothing, but also wellness, right? We've been in this mm-hmm. kind of wellness boom over the past at least, you know, f- at least five years. Um and I just wonder, like, if, you know, kind of how people will uh, will continue with things that have been a really big part of their day-to-day routine. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's also been, I don't know, I mean, there's definitely ups and downs. And um, I guess, like, it's also been really, I don't know, I, good is not the right word, but, like... <laughs> Um, I think as a, as an owner of a small business, like for me, it's, it's, I feel like I get into a rut and, um, because I'm a solo founder, there's not always like somebody else to bring in new energy. So I have to depend on like myself, but also like just normal day-to-day interactions with people to kind of inspire me to keep working on the business and like be able to pivot and, and again, provide for our community. And so something that we've been trying, um, recently is um doing instagram lives with um just people in our community who you know who who are instructors of fitness in some way but also um are like just women who are aspiring to uh build a workout routine and maybe have more time to do that um during during this time of working from home or or potentially not working at all um and so that's been kind of cool we did our first set of instagram lives last week um that's pretty awesome yeah, it was really cool. It was actually with one of our Kickstarter backers. Um, she's a certified yoga instructor and she it was just very fun. We did like a get to know you session and then we did a yoga live session over the weekend. And then this week we actually um, are upping that to four Instagram lives. So it's it's cool. I mean, we have like pretty good, pretty high engagement. It's just, it's cool to see what people are interested in when they have um, like more screen time as well. Yeah, I think one of the things that's always something that stands out for people during this time is that there's a lot more opportunity to kind of innovate, right? Like, whereas before you might not have thought to do these type of Instagram lives with people or these type of events, like these virtual things. Now everyone's kind of figuring out that, hey, these opportunities are there and that even when we go back to quote unquote, like normal, that might still continue more like virtual type of events might happen because it gets people engaged and gets people like aware of the brand and new ways rather than just like traditional marketing. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. And, and I think it also just is like, makes me also think about like, the value that we can provide to our customers and our community is not always um, just like an exchange of goods and services for money, right? It's like, it's also like building community and building resources um, for our community and showing them women like themselves. I mean, I think that was one of the most interesting pieces of feedback from the yoga session is that we had you know, a South Asian Muslim yoga instructor. And in our get to know you session, we talked about how, um, like what that experience is like, um, saying specific words in Hindi, like as a Muslim person, right. And, and what that experience is like. Um, and so just kind of getting that perspective, um, and, and kind of talking out loud about the kinds of experiences that Muslim women have, but often internalize, um, because, fitness spaces are not always inclusive and, and reflective of who we are, right? And the thoughts and the experiences that we might be having during those sessions. So um, yeah, it, it's it's definitely a, a time to innovate, but it's also, um, for me, it's been really eye-opening on, on the different ways that we can connect and be, again, of a resource for our community. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the things that, you know, my wife especially has been trying to find out are like workouts to do at home, um, especially like in an apartment, there isn't much space. So, you know, we go on a lot of walks, but this past weekend we were at her parents and we made a, like, we got a basketball goal or her mom did for her brother. And so we were playing and she joined us for a bit, but she didn't have her sukun hijab with her. So like, it really <laughs> wasn't working. It was windy. Like, I just she was like, I can't play right now. I was like, look, next week you can just make sure you have your hijab with you, like the sukun one. <laughs> you'll be able to play um, That's awesome. but it was like yeah, it was just like at that time you know she didn't think that she'd be doing that type of workout yeah. but it was like hey you know we can do like there's so many more types of workouts than just going on a walk and doing some yoga like there's some more activity that you can get you know going right now yeah yeah for sure um yeah I'm, I'm excited tomorrow um tomorrow we're doing a, a get to know you Instagram live with um, a trainer here in LA who's also Muslim. Um, her name is Kifa. Her handle is um, Get Fit with Kifa. And then we're doing a hit workout with her um, that she'll be doing from home, and that you know hopefully the rest of us can also join in and do from home on Wednesday. Um, but yeah, it's 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 definitely a time for changing routines, if nothing else. Um, but I, I I guess like I, I kind of this just came to mind. But I I think the other thing even for me. Um, kind of going back to what we were talking about uh, uh, earlier in the conversation um, is like kind of experiencing this reality of like, like pr production being uh, a luxury, right. And, mm -hmm. and really just also having a different kind of insight into our manufacturers lives. So, um, you know, for example, you know, we have over 15 suppliers in Portugal from all that, you know, from like fiber and yarn and fabric and all the different materials that we need um, to make our products. But we, uh, our primary relationship is with our sewing, with our sewing factory. And so um, for them, I mean, I, you know, we were just having very honest conversations about like, you know, when are we going to be able to go into, like, when are we going to be able to produce again? And, and like, what does this look for, like for you guys? And like, our manufacturing line is like it's 50 employees who are um, sewers like our our factory like they missed payroll for the first time um, like last week in 30 years 
um, oh, you wow. know, and, and while I'm sitting here and I'm worried about like my brand and I want to be able to like, you know, think about what the next steps are in like May and June, our factories are experiencing very real economic impacts like day to day, you know, mm-hmm. and that even for me, it was like so eye opening, like the factory that we work with, like, um, that like it's, it's a family owned factory. So, you know, there's the head pattern maker is like my contacts. It's like his, the, the head sewer is like his mom, like the main pattern maker is his cousin, you know, like there's a lot of, he's managing like his whole family basically, yeah. plus a bunch of other employees, plus like expectations from overseas clients. And so it's also just been um, very eye-opening from that perspective of like what the economics impacts are like across different parts of the supply chain. And um, we, there's actually, there's a, there's a, an initiative um, it's called fashion revolution week and it happens every April um, and it happened, it's happening next week. Um, and it's uh, it was started by an, a nonprofit organization based in the UK, and they started because um, this initiative started because uh, in Bangladesh there was a factory that collapsed. I believe it was in 2013, um, and over 1,100 people died. It was the Rana factory collapse, and it, at that time, a lot of there was a lot of um, sudden like you know there were a lot of questions being asked about sweatshops and about manufacturing mm-hmm. and you know and about like what who's sewing our clothes and living wages and all that kind of stuff yeah. um and so ever since then there's kind of this annual week where this organization um does a lot of uh, education and asks brands and customers alike to kind of be transparent and then also demand transparency from from brands and so um we're a small company and we've been around for a couple of years but we really pride ourselves on being transparent in our supply chain and so um I mean, I'm not excited per se, but I, I do think this that all of this COVID stuff is happening at an interesting time because we're definitely going to be doing um, a lot of a lot more, you know, kind of like honest conversations with our manufacturers and, and trying to help our customers understand like the the bigger effects of what's happening in like a global supply chain, a global economy um, next week as part of our you know efforts to continue to be transparent because um, I think also you know customers don't and and honestly, before I started a business, I was in the same boat, but like, we don't really think about, you know, all, all the different parts of the things that are made, um, you know? And so I think that this kind of with a slowed economy where we're not necessarily like going outside all the time, we don't need to buy new things all the time. It's actually a really excellent opportunity for us as customers and as society to learn and think more about the things that we are consuming and where they come from and um, what the broader effects are on, on the climate and the world. Yeah. I think one of the most amazing things about a lot of the new online businesses are how like transparent some of them try to be. I know one of them that is a favorite of mine is like Everlane who like their motto is like radically transparent. Um, And like, they'll show you like the factories that they make the stuff at and like how they're all like pretty certified and everything like that. So for you, when you were starting the business, how was that kind of like navigating this whole new like manufacturing world? How was it trying to find like ones that were ethical, the ones that, you know, were ones that you didn't knew that weren't employing any type of like sweatshop labor and ones that you could really trust with making the products that you wanted at the quality you wanted? Yeah, gosh, um, that's. A huge question and, and it's again it's 
so, so, so challenging. Um, you know, that the thing is that like when you're trying to make something, it's almost like the world is your oyster in a way. And so you can really produce a lot of things in a lot of different parts in the world. And what it ends up coming down to is like cost, quality, and accessibility in a way. Um, and mm-hmm. so for us, like for me, I mean, my perspective on it going in was like I – I am Muslim. I am building a company that is focused on serving Muslim women. Um, And so because of that, we, from the get-go, we're a faith-based company, right? And so being a faith-based company, there were, it was basically just like, there was no option for me except making it an ethical company on every single front. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that meant a lot of learning and that meant a lot, that meant a lot of changing and adapting and really slow processes. Um, but it also meant for me really understanding what ethics means, right? So, um, the example you use, uh, Everlane is a perfect example of like ethics in terms of, um, fair labor and transparency around, um, uh, like so- sewing processes, right? And so that was really important to me, but but also um, we really wanted to get a step further and also incorporate sustainability into that. Um, and so, yeah, I think like I've unfortunately seen a lot of sweatshops and that is not, you know, I was actually chatting with my roommate the other day. Um, we were watching a really awesome show on Netflix. <laughs> Everyone should watch it. Actually, it's called uh, Gentified. Um, and in one of the episodes... Um, it shows a sweatshop in LA um, and it shows the scene where um, there's these two sewers and uh, they really have to use the restroom and their break is not scheduled for another two hours. And one of the women is like, this is ridiculous. And, you know, I want to like, I, that's crazy. Like we have to go use the restroom. And the other one was like really timid and was like, no, like we shouldn't go. We're going to get in trouble. And um, basically the owner of that factory, he like, thought he like, ends up laying one of them off because she was being really insistent about going using the restroom um, outside of her break. And um, my roommate was like, that's crazy. Like, does that really happen like in the yeah. U.S.? And I was like, yeah, it absolutely happens in the U.S. I mean, we, we started our company in New York and like I've seen sweatshops in New York and in New Jersey. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it can really happen anywhere. Um, and so like what we do to prevent against that is that like – for, for me, it's really important to like build a relationship with the owner of the factory and like go spend time there. So, you know, I go and like, I've done this a couple of times, but like I've gone to our, I've gone to our fast factories in Portugal. Like I walk in, like sometimes I go and I'm just there the next day. So mm-hmm. like, it's not like they have, you know, time to go and like yeah. clean everything up and adjust it. So like a spontaneous visit, but then also building a relationship and getting to know, to know them. Right. And, um, yeah, like you said, you knew like his, like, Mom was part of it. His cousin was part of it. It seems like you knew the family at this point. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy because, like, yeah, I know so many people in, in Philippe's family. Like, I know his son. I know his parents. Um, you know, I know his I, I know his partner. Um, and, um, yeah, I'm kind of rambling a little bit maybe. So I <laughs> no. that, but it's just such a big question. And, and they, I mean, they actually are our primary point of contact. And so we kind of 
you know, built the relationship with them. And then there we were like, okay, here, here are the, here are the sustainability metrics that we want to meet. Um, and they are awesome. And they did like a really great job of helping us connect with suppliers um, in that area that were excelling um, in, in, in environmental standards. And that's actually also kind of how we ended up uh, producing in Portugal because Portugal is very well known for ethics and sustainability across the board um, and actually has some of the highest global um, environmental compliance regulations in place that factories have to follow in order to be able to operate in the country of Portugal. Um, and so that just made it a lot easier, right? Choosing to produce in a, wi- in, mm-hmm. in a place where that is law, um, it just gives you a much higher starting point um, as opposed to starting at a different place in the world where potentially that's you know not the case and you have to really dig a lot deeper to like even be at like a base level of like ethics and sustainability. Yeah, I mean, I think that sounds like really awesome, especially because, as you said, if it happens at least like from the country level from the start, that's going to give you a good solid foundation, right? Like that, the fact that Portugal has those laws is just going to make it easier for you to find, you know, a factory that's going to be following them and having a better environment for its workers. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we actually get it's it's funny actually. Like we at the where I met you got where I met you in Safa last uh, last spring. It was funny. It was at this convention in Chicago, as you said, and, um, you know, we had people really pushing back. That was the first time we came out with um, this set of products and we really had people pushing back on price point. And Mm -hmm. I remember there was this like auntie who was like, why don't like, she just kept asking, she kept being like, why, like, why is your pricing the way it is? And, you know, I, I walked her through like all the great features of our clothing and, um, you know, and I, I finally said, I was like, you know, we don't produce in sweatshops. Like we pay yeah. our workers. Um, we're also a small company. Like we're not taking huge margins. Like we're taking what we need to survive and make sense for this to sell. Um, but, you know, we don't use sweatshop labor. And I, kind of jokingly, she was like, well, why don't you? Oh. And I was like, horrified. I was like, I have no idea what to say to this, <laughs> you know, because I was like, oh my gosh, like, um, but I think we're so used to like, you know, and, and this is obviously starting to change in our generation a little mm-hmm. bit with the rise of, as you said, like businesses that are being increasingly transparent. But, you know, I think we're, we're really used to like the $5 t-shirt or the $10 t-shirt yeah. and we're used to, um, we're used to it lasting forever. And we don't really think about what that means uh, in terms of, you know, if you're paying somebody, if you're paying $5 for a t-shirt from China, like you can just think about like, how much do you think that costs to just like buy the fabric and like ship it across the world? And if you just think about that and then you think about $5, the $5 you spend on a latte, right? All of a Mm -hmm. sudden, like you can start to understand where the injustices happen very quickly. Yeah. And I think especially like both you and I are South Asian and you know, within the South Asian community, a lot of times the factories that are making those $5 shirts are in Pakistan and like Bangladesh. Um, And so many of our community members, like they're from those countries and they've like kind of, I've heard like people say like, oh, the kids have work, like the families get money, like the factories that like employ them, like it's doing good for the community there. So they've not only like gotten used to like child labor and social labor, like they've justified it. So when they go back home, they just get everything at cheap, like all the designer stuff, like super cheap. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I'm by no means an expert on this. I mean, this like, I, I guess 
like th- this is like my perspective and my opinion um, and, and based on my experience also. I mean, and so I don't want to pretend to be more of an expert than I am, but, um, and I, and I don't want to say like never buy anything from China, or, you know, anything like that. Um, Cause there yeah. are brands that can do it right. But um, exactly as you said, I mean, I think it's just something that we've gotten really used to um, and, and we've just gotten used to this kind of exploitation, but I, you know, I, I per very personally, I mean, I struggle a lot with this kind of stuff. I mean, I think about like, and, and, and the hard part is, is that because of the lack of transparency, you don't even know what to believe and what not to believe. Like I've seen stuff on the internet that's like, you know, there's like, we're Muslim and, and we know like what's happening with the Uyghur population in China. And like, I've heard horror stories of like these people being, you know, put to work in factories and all, you know, and, and I don't, even me, like, I have no idea if that's true, right? I don't know what the sources of these yeah. things are, but like knowing that that's a possibility, like, and seeing that that is like planted in my head already, like, it's really hard for me to like make purchases from brands that like aren't being transparent. And so as a result of that, like I shop at only small businesses and <laughs> I shop way less because most people are not that transparent, you know? And, yeah. and um, it's really sad. I mean, and I think like, if only, like, honestly, if only businesses realize that there's an upside to being transparent, you know, and I think, like, the more that I, t- like, talk to people about the injustice that I've seen in the fashion industry, I mean, I think people are more and more sold on Sukoon, right? And I think that that can really happen on a really much bigger level for brands. Yeah, I think definitely one of the crazier things that within the supply chain world is that a lot of these big companies they'll be able to claim that they're sweatshop free or that they're sustainable and they'll like provide you know like oh hey these are the factories we use but those factories use so many factories that they don't vet and so it's like down the line they're probably is sweatshop labor and but they can just say that they're sweatshop free just by like you know hiding it within the supply chain um i know one that's been criticized for that a lot is like nike who seems to have released like a competitor to yours so like when that whole thing happened <laughs> when they released like the nike hijab how was like that for you yeah, um, Nike is a complicated topic, but <laughs> um, definitely from supply chain, you know, supply chain, uh, the supply chain lens, but also, as you said, I mean, they definitely um, have put forth a product that is uh, in the same line as ours, if you will. Um, yeah, I mean, I think like at first, when they first put it out, it was obviously super nerve wracking, right? It was like, really terrifying for me like as a like super small business owner and honestly when they came out with uh their press release for their initial product Sukun had just finished um our first like our kickstarter so we weren't Mm -hmm. that far along and honestly like I was like should we just quit like while we're ahead kind of thing like they're solving it do I need to solve it you know that's kind of where my head was at initially um and I think like over the past couple of years it's it's been um it's gotten to be less less extreme for me I think it's very objectively it's very cool to see huge brands like finally pay attention to us as a demographic you know I um I think we've like really it's it's uh, sometimes I think about it I'm like it's crazy that it's taken this long for us to be considered a significant spending power in in this country and in the world um 
but I think it's really cool that we're being paid attention to and that we're being, you know, represented and that like you can go into Times Square and you see a prominent like Muslim African American like Muslim woman on like a billboard in Times Square, right? I'm talking about like it's a Hajj Muhammad. Like it's really cool mm-hmm. that our generation has the chance to experience that. Um, and then on the flip side, there's all the same stuff, right? It's like I personally don't think that the Nike product is that great or that innovative. I, I, you know, I've been an athlete arguably my whole life. And, um, you know, as, as somebody who wears a job, like I try out every single sports job that hits the market. And I, you know, I I would assume that everybody in my shoes will do the same. And, um, for me, their products just really fell flat. They didn't really work. Um, and so I think that they've done an awesome job in branding and awareness. And I think there's a really cool opportunity for small businesses like mine to take the demand that they're spurring and, um, Mm -hmm. run with it with a product that's actually effective. (laughs) So yeah, (laughs) that's my take. I mean, yeah, it's a comedy. I can hear you laughing so much. And and I think about this all the time. Like I, I don't want to be out there like bashing Nike. I don't think that that's. Um, my role, but I, I do think it's a complex topic. And I think going back to supply chain, I mean, I know that there are um, so many activists, um, like one, one that comes to mind is um, Hadha Katebi, who is um, Persian American um, and has, does a lot of like, like just great, um, she hi- like really highlights stories behind big companies like Nike that are really flawed in their supply chain. And she does it. Um, she does it really well from, from the standpoint of like uh, people being able to understand how complex supply chain issues really are. So uh, yeah. yeah, she's uh she's from Chicagoland. Oh yeah, she is. Yeah. She yeah, she's loves her line and everything. She's very active over here. She actually, I met her before when, I have a relative who's making uh, like a documentary about Muslim Americans and they interviewed uh, the, and um, they were trying to find a place. Like originally they were going to interview her at her apartment, but mm-hmm. that day, like there was like some construction or like the landlord or something was like a problem. And so my cousin like called me and was like, Hey, can we record at your place? Oh, that's um, so cool. <laughs> it was fun. And I was like, I was luckily working from home that day. Yeah. So they came and like they recorded there and I got to meet her and talk oh, to her. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, she's she's really awesome. Um, she's really awesome. There, there was actually uh, an identity politics uh, podcast episode with her on it, where she um, speaks about some of these things really, really um, wonderfully. And yeah, she's awesome. I mean, if anyone's listening and doesn't know her, that you guys should follow her. That you should follow. <laughs> she follow Blue Tin Productions, which is her company as well. Um, but yeah, she's she's doing a lot of great work in this space as well. No, definitely. And I was laughing before, but at the same time, I think it's good that, like, you know, you're confident in your product. Uh, I think, you know, definitely if you're going to be a small business owner, you got to think you're the best in the field. Um, yeah. But I think one of the, or, yeah, sorry, uh, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, I was going to say one of the cool things I think is, well, you touched on this a bit as well, that, you know, Nike, even though they came out with a competitor and they're like the juggernaut, everything that, you know, a lot of these big companies, whenever they do come out with a product, um, it also just builds awareness for that product in general. And so it's like more people know about hijabs and more importantly, activewear hijabs, right? And so that's like when they want to find like a better version, if they don't have a good experience, they'll find like Sukun and stuff. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think um, I, th- I think that's exactly it, right? Like they're, they're doing a great job in creating a category and creating like a, a lifestyle that's accessible um, to Muslim women. And I think honestly, as a small business, like we kind of have this, 
you know, I, I spoke about some some of the challenges that we're undergoing right now, which is like not being able to go full speed into production. Um, obviously, we still have, just to be clear, we still do have a lot of products available. <laughs> um, we're just, yeah, please, please go, please go support all of this right now. <laughs> Um, but you know, just kind of like our, our plan is definitely thrown off, uh, for, for the, for the upcoming, for the short term. Um, but I, I think part of the amazingness of that is that we, you know, we intentionally do smaller quantities when we're coming out with something new so that we can test and try it. Right. And we're so lucky to have a community that, like, well, make repeat purchases. I mean, I, you know, they always say like when you're starting a business, like they always say like, you should be embarrassed of your first set of products. And like, I truly am right. Like <laughs> I've been in the game for a couple of years. And like, I think about what we put to put out to market and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, wow. Like what we have right now is so different. And like what we did then it was like, so weird. Like it, you know, to me, it's like, I'm just like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe we put that out there. Um, but I also feel so, so fortunate that we have people that have supported us throughout, right? They buy every stage of what we put out there. And mm -hmm. by doing that, they give us the opportunity to try again. Um, and as a small business, like I am so, I mean, I'm, I'm not perfect with communication and I say this all the time. Like, I feel like there's just way too many ways to get in touch with me um, between like all our social handles and our customer service and like so many customers like have my phone number. It's terrifying. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I like, that's also pretty cool. Like, you know, we, I do have a lot of our customers phone numbers and like, if I'm like thinking about trying something new and like, you know, I, I it's not like our designs are not just coming from me and my brain and my experience, right? Like we have people and advisors that we like run them by and that we do focus groups. And like, if like, uh, like we constantly have people giving us feedback, right? And we constantly have people being like, "Hey, like, like I've had this product for six months now, and like, you know, he, he, like now that I've used it a bunch, like here's what I would like to see, and here's what like here's like a slight tweak that I would like to make." And because we do small quantities, we can be like, "Oh my gosh, yeah!" Like before we go into production again, like let's do that. Let's see if that works, right? And we can make those slight adjustments until we get the perfect product. Um, truly. And so that, that's, um, I think one of my favorite parts of the job, honestly, like I just love getting that customer feedback and like, it's sometimes a little awkward because people are like, no, I'm, I mean, I'm just giving you feedback. Like, I, you know, I love what you're doing and blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, no, I, I know that you love us and, and mm -hmm. because you love us, you're giving us like real <laughs> feedback because that's what we can use. And that's the only way we're going to get better. And, and I think like whether it's Nike or like other big players or small players, it's like, right? Like competition really does make you work better. It makes you work harder. Like it makes you not okay with the status quo. Right. And, um, it gives us all an opportunity to like revisit our products and make it better, um, to better serve the, the people that we want to be using it and to be living the lifestyle that we hope to inspire. Yeah. I think that's really awesome, especially because what I've seen from small businesses like yours, that the ones that I see that succeed are the ones that are able to take that feedback and really, you know, implement it into their product in a way that shows the customers that they're listening, right? Some of the businesses that, you know, I like to shop with online, especially I've kind of started trying to move towards like some of the ones I've talked about, like Everlane and stuff, like trying to move towards those companies that are more sustainable, that are more ethical, that are more receptive to customer feedback. Um, and you see that I think with a lot of people, especially during this time, during this pandemic, it's been a lot about like how our company is reacting, yeah. right? It's like, sometimes like people understand that some part of it is just you know 
basic this is going to be pr but just just because it's pr doesn't mean it's like bad right like all birds is donating shoes to like healthcare workers right yeah. so it's like we get it that's good marketing right that's good pr but at the same time they're still donating the shoes like that's yeah. still helping out the healthcare workers and so that's definitely i think a unique time right now where a lot of these companies are like hey what can we do during this pandemic to help out and a lot of these customers are going to see like which companies actually like care yeah yeah and i think like um i think it also goes like I think it goes both ways, right? I think um, we, I've been thinking a lot about this. Like we've had customers who have uh, DM, like direct message us and been like, hey, have you ever thought about going into mask, mask production or, you know, that kind of thing. And then, and like, yeah, we definitely thought about it. Um, and, you know, it, I mean, our factories are completely shut down, sadly. So like, it's, it's not possible for us to do that. Um, but it also is like, you know, it made me think about like, that's kind of what inspired us to be like, okay, we can't like customers are asking us to do this. We don't have the capability to do this. Um, but like, what else can we do? Right. And like the way that this whole like Instagram live thing started was like, I, I'm like so uncomfortable with doing Instagram live. Like I'm like by, by no means am I like I don't know. I'm not a pro to I'm so awkward. Like, whatever. No worries. I did my first one as well. And it was like the weirdest thing. I was eating wings. Like, yeah, that, don't worry about that. I was like, I was doing like the hot one challenge. I don't know if you've seen that show. Oh, like on yeah. my, my food I was like doing the hot one challenge at home. Like just like recording myself. I had like 10 people watching and I just didn't care. I was just having fun, but I was like super awkward at the same time. Yeah. It's just, it's awkward, right? It's like a weird adjustment, but like what we started hearing from our customers is like, like there's so many people doing online workouts right now um, and it's really easy to find like free online workouts, but it's hard, like people still want representation. So people still want people that, you know, look like them to be doing it. And like, it was so cool to hear that from our customers being like, like, you know, we want to see women like us, like leading these things, like the rest of everything like looks the same. Like I get targeted ads for like 10 online workouts. They're all led by like white women. And like, like that's awesome. Like I can do them, but like it is a different experience even from home to like do it from, do it with like somebody who looks like me, who's part of my community. And so like, that was just like really eye opening of just like really as a small business, like listening to our customer. Right. And like seeing what we can offer them, even if it's not like, the number one thing that they want? Can we offer them like the number two or number three thing that they want given our constraints as a small business? Um, and so that's been really cool. I, I mean, I keep talking about these Instagram lives. It's like insane. <laughs> I'm like obsessed, but like, I'm really excited. We're actually doing, um, we're, we're doing a, 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 an awesome campaign with um, that we're launching uh, this week with um, Noor, who was, um, disqualified from the track meet in Ohio. Um, and we're launching that campaign this week and we're doing an Instagram live with her actually on Thursday with her and her mom about what their experience has been like, um, since that happened in the fall. Um, and so, yeah, we're just like having this opportunity to connect with a lot of people who like, um, you know, and giving them a chance to like showcase their stories within our community um, in in times that like otherwise perhaps we might not have had time to do right or we might not have had the focus to do so yeah it's it's um it's a strange time to be a small <laughs> business for sure <laughs> no definitely I mean I think this this pandemic is hitting everyone different and that's why you know I wanted to kind of have you on the show just because 
not only is your business unique, but you know, I wanted to hear like how is this how how are small businesses really, you know, dealing with the whole pandemic and like how's it been affecting them? Um and I'm really glad that you're able to make, you know, Jazakla Fair so much for coming on. Uh do you want to plug any, you know, social media or websites for the yeah. audience? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um well thank you so much for having me. It was it was uh cool to get to chat and yeah, for anyone listening, um, we would absolutely love any support that you could provide. Um by making a purchase, make a purchase for somebody else. Um, you can uh, make any purchases on sakunactive.com and you can follow us um, on Instagram at sakunactive. Um, and you can follow me personally at uh, arshia underscore Karani on Instagram as well. So um, yeah, thank you so much for having us. We're um, excited. Inshallah, we all um, literally and figuratively sur- like survive <laughs> this pandemic. <laughs> Um, and yeah, we're excited for like what what the rest of 2020 will bring us. <laughs> no, it'll, it'll definitely be an interesting year. I think 2020 has hit everyone hard. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But no, Jazakallah Care again for coming on. Uh, Jazakallah Care to the audience for listening. Uh, personal endorsement for Sakoon from me as the husband of a hijabi who <laughs> loves their products. Uh, you know, she wears them anytime she really like goes out to work out and stuff. So, you know, they've really been a help to her. Um, beyond just like you know a normal hijab or just something like normal active wear that she had to like fashion into hijab so you know they've definitely been a boon for her um, so definitely check out their website instagram as always you can find us at zbhoy and i am mt cast